Turn with me please this morning in the scriptures to Philippians the third chapter. Philippians 3 and 12. Before we do this, let's release our faith. Father, we agree together as touching this, asking you right now for utterance, asking you for the anointing. We don't want to hear a man, we want to hear you. Asking for eyes and ears and heart and mind that can see and hear and, and perceive and, and understand and, and receive. We ask for direction. We ask for answers to questions. We ask for enlightenment and the truth that makes free and the supply of the spirit that quickens and makes strong. We ask for the next parts of your plan and will. Exactly what you'd say to us. Exactly what you'd do in our midst and in us and for us and through us today. We ask for it. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In Philippians, the third chapter, verse 12, the Spirit of God through Paul said, Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, or other translations say, lay hold, that for which also I am apprehended or was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Keep reading. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, that's not a word we use a whole lot concerning saying this rendering this meaning, we'd probably say, I don't count myself to have arrived. I don't count myself to have laid hold or reached this, arrived. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press. Somebody say, I press. Press on. Press on. Press toward what? Press toward, press on towards what? Toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. What is that? It's in Christ Jesus. Now, if you've been with us, we, we went in some detail over the first parts of this. He said, I don't count myself to have apprehended are to be already made perfect. And this word perfect is much misunderstood as far as what the Bible means. When you say, if you want to get a big amen, just say, nobody's perfect. You can get just about everybody to agree on that. Nobody's perfect. And the implication is, nobody can be. But What do you do with these verses? Paul said he didn't count himself to have arrived or already be made perfect. But what? He's not just giving up and saying nobody can be. What's he doing? He's pressing on. Right? Toward what? Towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that high goal? What is that mark? It's being like the master. Which is being perfect. Perfected. But this thing about nobody's perfect and nobody can be. Is a a distortion 
and ignoring many scriptures. Now it is true that none of us are perfect after the flesh. And none of us are perfect in knowledge. And none of us have been perfect in performance in our life. And because of our lack of knowledge and because of the curse that's in the world, you know, you have a little baby that's born. And somebody says, everything all right? Yeah, he or she's perfect. Well, not really. If you put them under the microscope. You'll find one eye is just a little bit bigger than the other. Is that right? One, And yet, you maybe not perceptible just looking at them. What we call perfect is really good working condition. Right. <laughs> Why? Because everything has been marred by the curse. Everything. And we're not perfect in knowledge. Paul said, we, we including himself, know in part. That means there's parts you don't know. And it's the parts you don't know that can cause you to jump to wrong conclusions. or It's, it's ignorance that's a problem. So we're not talking about perfection of flesh. We're not talking about perfection of knowledge. We're not talking about perfection of performance down here in this life. What are we talking about? The Bible said the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth. And what's he looking for? He wants to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. You can be and I can be perfect in heart every day and every night. Every day and every night of our lives. There's no excuse for not being wholehearted. There's forgiveness But there's no excuse. It got too quiet just then. (laughs) Years ago, oh, this is 30 years ago, Phyllis and I were developing in ministry, and and we went to a place and preached where we had been before, and and we knew some people there. And uh, one of the uh, young couples, a young man and woman that did young in age and not married very long, had came to the Lord the, the meeting before when we were there. And so we, we knew them and we saw them and we asked them how they were doing, how they were getting along. And uh, I felt prompted to ask them, you know, do you, uh, you've been going to church, yeah, you, you read your Bible? And, and uh, the, the young lady spoke up and said, well, I, I guess none of us could ever read our Bible enough. <laughs> and uh, when she said that, I'd heard that before and that kind of thing. But boy, something didn't sit well with me on the inside. I didn't say anything to her because I didn't know why. But later on, I was praying about it. And it came back up to me again. Well, I guess none of us could read our Bible enough. I guess none of us could pray enough. I guess none of us could praise enough. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you said it. And... uh, The Lord asked me a question. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me very distinctly. He said, Keith, am I unreasonable? Am I unreasonable? Well, what would you answer? (laughs) That's what I said. I said, no, I don't. I don't think you're unreasonable. He said, well, then can you, can you read your Bible enough? 
And I, I didn't have an immediate answer. I thought, well, you know, we all thought you can you could never praise the Lord enough. You could never pray enough. You could never read your Bible enough. He said again, am I unreasonable? I said, no, I don't think you're unreasonable. He said, well, can you read your Bible enough? <laughs> I thought, well, no, Lord, I don't think you're unreasonable. He said, then you can read your Bible enough for any given time. Tomorrow's a new day. But for today, and thoughts begin to come up in my spirit from him. He said, do you think I know that you have other things to do in life besides read the Bible? <laughs> that you need to get up and get, get yourself ready and you need to prepare a meal. You need to clean the house. You need to mow the lawn. He said, do, do you think I know that you have other things to do? He said, am I unreasonable? I said, no, Lord, I don't, I don't think you're unreasonable. He said, then you can pray enough. You can praise enough. You can read your Bible enough. What do you think? Yeah. Is he unreasonable? But see, the, why am I talking about this? We're talking about perfection. And the enemy has convinced people perfection, not only do you never find it, it's not possible. But what perfection means, if you look up the word, it means complete, fully developed, fulfilled, complete, completed, to go all the way to the end of. And the reason the enemy is, is, you know, works so hard in this area to convince people of this is because if you don't believe it's possible, you don't even try. Did Paul say, nobody's perfect, nobody can be, so I gave up a long time ago and you should too. What did he say? For, I'm, I'm forgetting everything is behind. Is that right? Where I came short. Where I didn't make it, where I was imperfect, or even where I made some progress. But this one thing I do, I'm pressing on. I'm reaching on. Does that mean he believes it's reachable? It's the will of God. And the Lord helped me to see this. Now I'm thinking, well, well, how does this work? He said, I don't mean I heard a voice now. This is coming up from my spirit to my mind. Do you, he said, do you believe I'm unreasonable? I said, no, sir, I, I don't. I believe you're good. Do you believe he's good? Yes. I believe you're, you're fair. Yes. He's fair. Yes. Nobody's more fair than him. Yes. He's kind. Yes. And he knows what we can do and what we can't do. Yes. Doesn't he? Yes. He said, it's real simple, Keith. If you're reading your Bible and you don't feel like you've quite read enough, what do you need to do? Read some more. And this is where a lot of folks have not, uh, not, not experienced this. If you're praying and you feel like you hadn't prayed enough, what should you do? Just pray some more. You may be five minutes away from perfection. What do you mean? Not talking about flawless knowledge or flawless performance. We're talking about your heart. How do you know what's perfection in God's eyes? It is that which fully satisfies your heart. 
Because he's in you. So what do you do? Don't feel like I've prayed quite enough. Keep praying. There will be a place where you'll get to and you'll know it in your heart. That's good. That's good for now. Now tomorrow's a new day, but that's good for now. Sometimes you were just three chapters away from a life-changing revelation. You had it in your heart. Read a little bit more. Go a little bit further. But see, the flesh, oh, the flesh, the flesh is so impatient and so easily distracted if you let it be. And the enemy works through this. And if you believe that you could read night and day for 50 years and it'd never be enough, well, that makes you feel hopeless. Right? You could pray night and day and you'd never pray enough as much as you ought to. Lies. I said these are lies. They've been propagated through churches. But they're lies. Is God unreasonable? Then it is possible. Every day of our lives to praise enough, to give thanks enough, to pray enough, to read your Bible enough. To give enough. Right? The Lord knows where you are. He knows what else is going on. And many, many times, if we just go just a little bit further, just a little bit further, we'll get there and go, that's it. Feel good about it. Satisfied. If you're not, go a little bit further. (laughs) And when the Lord sees your heart that you've followed him all the way that you know, and you've pleased him every way that you know, he calls that perfect. Perfect heart. That's how Jesus lived every day of his life. He always prayed enough. He always read enough. He always preached enough. Taught enough. Ministered enough. The Father saw perfect, 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 perfect. You just follow your heart. Follow your heart till it's completely satisfied. Thanks be to God. Glory to God. Go to Hebrews 12th chapter please. Hebrews 12. In verse 1. It says. Seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What cloud of witnesses is he talking about? The 11th chapter was the immediate reference. And all those that have joined them, that have walked and lived by faith, that have now left this life. You know, we have reason to, uh, like this verse right here, to believe that those who've already gone on are aware of some things that are happening down here. (laughs) Well, You're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And since you are, since you're aware that they are there, as we've said, hear people say in the grandstands, watching us run our race, it should encourage us that grandma Uh and mom and daddy huh, and other people and people like Abraham (laughs) are going, go, don't quit, get up, you can do it, get up, get up. Come on. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> huh? Yes, yes. 
running your faith race. I don't think that they care about, you know, that they're probably not even aware if you get a new car or a new house. That stuff really don't matter, especially later on. But when somebody comes to the Lord, somebody comes back to the Lord, somebody answers the call of God on their life, part of the plan and vision of God is begun or completed. I believe we have reason to think that they would be aware of that. I know when the Lord let me see my dad for just a few minutes. It wasn't very long. But uh, I remarked about this to Phyllis later. Of all the things you could have talked about or brought up, the only thing I had on my mind and the only thing he had on his mind was what we were doing in the work of God. That was it. Nothing even came to my mind to ask or think or to, and, and apparently with, with him either. He wanted to hear about what was being done in the churches and in the ministry. And I wanted to tell him. That was it. Do you believe they're interested? Yes. Well, is God interested in his plan being done in the earth? Well, why wouldn't they be interested? They're with him. Why wouldn't they be interested in what he's interested in? But anyway, since we got this great cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. He mentions two categories of things. Things that are sins and things that are weights. There are some things that are not sin. You're not violating light and yet they're weighing you down. They're hindering you. They're slowing you down. And then of course there's sin. Things that you know better. And uh, let us run with patience or perseverance the race that is set before us. Keep reading. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, or as many translations will say, the perfecter. The author and perfecter of faith. Our is added by the translators. He's the author and perfecter of faith. As we were talking about a few weeks ago, he is the faith master. And we are his disciples. We're his learners. And if we'll follow him, he will show us. Right? How to live by faith, how to walk by faith, how to receive by faith, overcome by faith. Have we arrived in that? When we're talking about growing and developing, we're not talking about trying to be righteous enough to be saved and to be accepted of him. Our righteousness is perfect and needs nothing, needs no development. Why? Because it's his righteousness. We are already accepted in the beloved. We are already saved. Our name is in the Lamb's book of life. But our faith, it needs to be developed. Our faith needs to be perfected. And Jesus is the author and perfecter of faith. He said because uh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, he's going to bring this up again. He talked about all these heroes of faith. Then he says, okay, they they had their time down here. Now, they're in the grandstands cheering you on. You're running your faith race. 
And Jesus is the author and perfecter, the faith master. But he cautions you and me against getting faint and getting weary. In doing what? Running our faith race. The danger is fainting. What happens if you faint? You're no longer running. You fainted and fell out. You're in the ditch somewhere, right? You fell off the side of the road. You got tired and you fainted. And he's saying, you know, lest you be wearied, faint in your mind, keep going. You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Keep going. You've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as unto children. My son despised not the chastening of the Lord, nor what? Faint when you are rebuked of him. Now here's the revelation I hadn't seen until several months ago. I was in another state ministering. And the Lord quickened me about this chapter. And when I got to this part, I had one of those, oh, <laughs> moments. I had not seen it like this. How does the Lord perfect our faith? How are we developed and perfected? It is through correction. And that's usually, you know, that first few seconds of response is usually what you get (laughs) when you say that because that hasn't been preached much, has it? Did Jesus correct his disciples when when he was walking with them Mm -hmm. in the flesh? Did he correct them? Did he chasten them? Did he rebuke them at times? Well, the Bible said, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, and don't what? Faint when you are rebuked of him. The fainting is in direct connection with being rebuked. What would this look like and sound like if somebody fainted when they were rebuked? What does a rebuke sound like? Now you stop that. You know better. Don't do this anymore. That's a rebuke. Would that qualify as a rebuke? (laughs) Well, what would fainting sound like? (laughs) I've had it. I've had it. I can't ever do anything right. Lie. Lie. That's a lie and you know it. Everything I do. Everything I do. They find. You know it's a lie. You know that's a lie. I can't please them no matter what I do. They're just on my case. You know it's a lie. It's a lie. You're making excuses to justify quitting. Not even trying. When like we looked at last week. You know when I had my spot. I had a spot. Anybody remember? I had a spot and a wrinkle. And what did you want to do with that spot? You wanted that spot off of me. And you wanted that wrinkle fixed. And should I have taken that as a huge insult? Should I have been offended and hurt because you wanted that wrinkle fixed on me? Know what you were saying? Man, you look good except for. If you get those two things fixed, man, you're, you're almost there. That's what the master's talking about with us. It's not a put down how prideful it is to imagine 
You have already arrived at Christ-like perfection today. And you don't need any correction. Everybody needs some correction. Everybody. True or not? Question is, will you receive it? Will you receive it? You talk about something unpopular in our present society. A lot of folks, the only thing they'll receive is a compliment couched in soft tones. Is that right? And and, and if it's any kind of correction, oh, 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 they're out of here. They don't have to take it. Well, you don't, but you'll never grow up. You'll never develop. And you'll jump around from place to place. Why does the Lord correct us? Keep reading. For whom the Lord loves. He chastens. He corrects and scourges, disciplines every son whom he receives. This is not making you sick. This is not wrecking your car. This is not sending a tornado to tear up your house. These things are stealing, killing, and destroying. That's the work of the enemy. And you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But we haven't been redeemed from all suffering. Say what? Thought this was a faith church. We haven't been redeemed from all suffering. You're going to need some scripture for that, I see right away. Philippians 129. Unto you it's given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to what? Suffer for his sake. Really? Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Now one of the specific sufferings he's talking about right here is suffering persecution. The scripture says in Timothy, those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. True or not? Shall. Are you experiencing any persecution? Because you are not like the world. If you're not, something needs to change. (laughs) Right? Our, our dear elder, Brother Billy Graham, we read a quote from him some weeks ago that he said, being a Christian is more than just believing. It's becoming more like the Christ. Every day it involves change. It's not just an instantaneous conversion, but it's becoming more like the master every day. There are many great things about becoming more like the master every day. But there's also repercussions in the world because he said, if the world hated me, they're going to hate you. And the more like him you become, the more the ungodly will not like you because you are not like them. And Brother Graham, Brother Billy Graham, talked about this. He said there are churches that are 
going into places and trying to find out what kind of church do the people want here. And then trying to make a church uh, like them. And there is an adaptation of the church to the world. Those last words, phrases are mine. I'm paraphrasing. There's an adaptation of the church to the world. And there is this pride in modern churches. We are not a regular church. <laughs> we are not church like usual. Well, what are you? We're cool. We're cool Christians. <laughs> we're cool. Pretty much anything, we're cool. <laughs> we're not hung up on a bunch of do's and don'ts. <laughs> Sounds good. We're not legalistic. Well, that sure sounds good. But when we're not like we're not like regular church. What regular church are we talking about? We're not old fashioned. You mean like Acts? Book of Acts? <laughs> the less like church, what are we becoming more like? Are you becoming more like the world? What is cool? Where did cool come from? Who invented cool? Any verses about it? In? Listen to some definitions of cool. Here, no, really, this is out of Webster's Dictionary. What's cool? Somewhat cold. <laughs> Not warm or hot. <laughs> Do you really want to be cool? <laughs> Not warm or hot. Somewhat cold. We got verses about that. Listen to this. And then again, this is these are not my words. These are the big dictionary. On a bridge, you know. Marked, what is cool? Cool means marked by lack of due respect or lack of discretion. And you know it is. I mean, if you want to go back to the Fonz. The Fonz, a lot of young people go, the what? I'm sorry, it goes back away. Did we even have color TV yet? I think we did. Yeah, we had color TV. But the Fonz was cool. But was there not also in that some rebellion? Bunch of rebellion against authority. Lack of respect. My old man. Daddy-o. Is there a lack of respect? In these things. Is that good? Or is that godly? Is that being more like the Lord? Or is that being like the world? Another definition of cool is. Hip. Fashionable. 
worldly. Worldly. You want to be cool and calm and collected. Better word for that is have the peace of God. But to be what the world calls cool. A holy, faith-filled, completely committed believer. The world is not going to think is cool. Because you are not going to go for what they go for. You're not going to agree with all the junk they say is all right. Come on, are y'all with me? And so they are not going to think you're cool. Did the world think Jesus was cool? Mm -mm. He came into his own. And his own said, he's cool. No. His own what? They, he's not like us. That's the thing that makes you uncool in the world's eyes is you're not like them. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we will not be like the ungodly world. And if we're talking about being perfected, what are we talking about being? We're talking about not, not becoming less. We're talking about becoming more like the master, more and more and more like him. And he said, hey, the world hates me. They killed him. The world hates him. And he said, if they hated me, don't be surprised when they hate you. Why? Because in order to be the greatest thing to us, we don't want people that hate him to like us. That's a bad sign. I don't like all that Jesus stuff, but I like him. He's cool. Then that means we have been conformed to this world. Romans 12. Go there with me, please. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, somebody say holy, holy, holy. Holy. Now we didn't take the time to read it, but Hebrews 12, why did he say that the Lord is correcting us, even chastening us, that we might be partakers of his holiness? Which is the same thing. I heard Brother Hagin say this years ago, it's one of the best definitions I think I've ever heard. What is holiness? He said. Holiness is not some denomination or some men's list of things you do, things you don't do. He said holiness is Christ-likeness. It's being like him. And that's what that whole passage is about. It said natural fathers have corrected their children and even disciplined their children as they thought was best for that temporary season, but he corrects us for our certain, sure good that we may be partakers of his holiness. Or as one translation says, his separation. His separation. Oh, friends, we need to beware. Our elder, Brother Graham, who's seen things in the body of Christ for all these decades, is telling us, he calls it easy believism that their churches and even large churches 
That all they're saying, the only thing necessary is that you believe. But that's not being a disciple. That you can believe, as long as you're a believer, you may be an alcoholic, but you're a believer. You, you may be having affairs all over the place, but you're a believer. Jesus has already paid for all your sins. And so really it's not a deal. This is wrong. I said this is wrong. And you wind up with a lot of believers that the world can't tell any difference in how they live and how the church lives. They're supposed to see a difference in us. They're supposed to be a distinguishing, a separation. Is it true? Jesus, he loved people, but he didn't participate in their sin. Did he? He never sinned. Not even one time. We can love people without loving their sin. People say, well, if you love me, you have to love me the way I am. No, I don't. Well, God loves me the way I am. No, he doesn't. People have replaced the gospel with something else. What do you mean he doesn't love me the way I am? He loves you. Right now, right where you are, he does not love all your ungodly ways. And neither should you. God loves me just the way I am. No, you come to him just the way you are. You're not supposed to stay the way you are. You're supposed to be transformed. Hallelujah. Not conformed to this world. Transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Finding out what the good and perfect will of God is. Becoming more and more like him. The message has been distorted. I saw a minister on an internationally known talk news interview show. And uh, this has been several years ago. And this guy that was on there, I like him. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a man of God. And he's very well known. And, and the uh, interviewer asking him questions. And he said, well, uh, when he's talking about people that were living lifestyles that uh, the Bible speaks against and other kind of things. And he said, well, and this guy said, well, Jesus preached love and acceptance. Isn't that what you believe? And the pastor said, yeah, yeah, that's what Jesus preached, love and acceptance. And when he said that, I wasn't even thinking about it. When he said, the Spirit of God right inside me, he said, Jesus said, he said, no, I didn't. That's not what I preached. I had to go study. When I thought, huh? Because it's, I mean, it didn't, it sounded okay to my ears. That, that's what the problem is. The devil is so tricky. He is so subtle. Somebody said, what do you mean? That's what Jesus preached. It is not what Jesus preached. It is not. Uh, you need a scripture, don't you? Mark 1, I believe it is, would be a good scripture for you. Mark 1, 15. Put that up and let's see if that's right. Yeah. Well, verse, uh, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching what? Preaching the gospel, which means the good news. Of or about what? The kingdom of God. 
which much of the church never even thinks about. This is what Jesus, he preached the kingdom of God. And what else? And he said, so this is part of what he preached. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What did Jesus preach? He preached repentance and faith. He taught on the kingdom of God and he commanded love. Now there is a vast difference between repentance and acceptance. People say, well, Jesus preached tolerance. He did not. He did not preach tolerance. Tolerance is the first step toward conformity. The enemy knows this all too well. If he can't get you to do it, if he can get you to tolerate it, you just took a step toward becoming it. And he'll work on you for 50 years. That's no time to him. And, and it is politically correct and even demanded of Christians that we be tolerant. Because that's what Jesus was and stood for and preached. Lies, lies, lies. Jesus was so intolerant of the devil and sin that the world killed him. Because he was not like them. And he wouldn't tell them that their sin was okay. That's what he said in John. They hate me because I testify against them that their works are evil. That don't sound like tolerance. That doesn't sound like acceptance. He does love you. Right now. Right where you are. But don't say all the ungodly stuff about you that he made you that way. Or that he loves you just the way you are. Lies. 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 No. He loved us so much. He didn't want to leave us like we were. You do come to him just as you are. But immediately everything ought to change. You get born again. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. Your mind is renewed. You learn how to put your body under. And you walk with him. Perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. I'm quoting scriptures. Does that sound like anything's okay? Everything's all right? Jesus preached love and acceptance. Do you know why we're talking about these things? The gospel has been perverted and distorted. If you want to see the details of it, look in Jude. The book of Jude, one little chapter, it talks specifically about this. It said the grace of our Lord will be perverted into lasciviousness, which means looseness. Are we seeing looseness? Anything's all right. Everything goes. Well, no. God does love us in spite of anything that's not pleasing to him. But he doesn't love things that are ungodly. And we shouldn't love things about ourselves that are ungodly. And if somebody's trying to help us, we shouldn't be fighting them. If we've got a big old smear, if we've got a big old wrinkle, why wouldn't it be good? To get it off. 
To get it fixed. To get it straight. To become more like the man. I'm not talking about being holier than thou and judging folks. That's another thing. We've already said love's correction is not condemnation. They're two different things. But, my, 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 to become like the master. Are you his disciple? Are you his apprentice? Well, he is holy. Holy. Don't let that word scare you. It's a good word. God is holy. Heaven is holy. The Bible said in Revelation, nothing is going to get in there that defiles or that's evil. Are you planning on going? Yes. Okay, well, you need to go ahead and side against anything that he says is not like him, that's twisted, that's defiling, that's wrong. No. Finish reading in Romans 12 there. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, brethren. He's not being hard and mean. But he's being strong. I beseech you by the mercies of God. That you what? Present your bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which is your. Reasonable service. Keep reading. And what? How do you do that? And be not conformed. To this world. First John says. Don't love the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. The lust of the flesh. The, the lust of the eyes. The pride of life. Because all these things he said are passing away. It's all temporary. We love God. Go ahead and say it out loud. It would be good for your spirit. Say it out loud. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. And he is holy. And he is holy. I, love holiness. I love holiness. My father is holy. Heaven is holy. His spirit is holy. His word is holy. His love is holy. His joy is holy. His power is holy. And he said, Be holy as I am holy. I love holiness. Do you? You can't love him without loving that. Because that's what he is. Do you want to be like him? Be more like him than being more holy. Forget about what some group said is holy. What's holy? Christ-likeness. Being just like him. And this defines it. Don't be conformed to this world. And I would say it like this. To this ungodly world. What do unbelievers do? They leave God out. What does ungodly mean? What was that drink? Seven them up. Was the un-cola. What does that mean? It's got no cola in it. Is there no cola in it? What's ungodly? Got no God in it. Now, you and I are not to be conformed to that which has no God in it. And if that's what it takes to be cool in somebody's eyes, then we're just not going to be cool. And if it takes telling people that 
God is pleased with their ungodliness and, and being tolerant and accepting everything like it's okay when the Lord says it's not, then we're going to be uncool. And in that respect, Jesus was very, very uncool. He said the world hated him because of it. Not trying to be judgmental, but we are uncompromising where the truth is concerned. And we are not conforming. You need to trust the Word of God. You need to trust the Holy Spirit in you. You you have Him inside you. He'll let you know what's Him and what's not Him. He'll let you know what's right and what's not right. What's good and what's not good. And even though it sounds good. Did you know the devil can quote scriptures? Even though it sounds good and looks good. Follow your heart. Man it's helped Phyllis and I so much. I, I endeavor to stay open. But I don't care who a person is. And how much they're supposed to know. Or what kind of call. When I hear something. I don't just jump on the bandwagon. I got the teacher in me. Come on, are you with me? You do too? Don't we? Got the author of the book in you. Reckon he knew what he was saying? Yeah. He's in you. He's in me. And even though it, it sounds good, you can tell. Yeah, but there's something about that bothers me. I don't know. There's nothing wrong. Everybody, so-and-so thinks it's fine. Yeah, but if there's something about that bothers you, the Bible says, if you don't do it in faith, it's sin to you. If you don't do it without a sense of it's pleasing God and being good in his eyes. So if people call you old fogey, if they call you square, if they call you uncool, y'all are just like old church. You talking like book of Acts old? Because sign me up. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> and, and, and you got to watch about trying to get away from regular church and normal church. Now, yeah, you, you don't want to stick to dead traditions of men. Yeah, but truth doesn't change. Spirit of God doesn't change. And God's word doesn't need updating or refreshing with a new face. For this generation. It does not. Signs and wonders. Work just as good. In this generation. As it did thousands of years ago. The power of the word of God. And real salvation. And healing. And deliverance. And being filled. Doesn't need any fashion update. It was perfect. When it came out. And it's still perfect. Now, the stuff of men, yeah, that's another deal. But beware of trying to be so modern and trying to be cool and trying to be fashionable and certainly about being politically correct and being tolerant. You want to hug millions of people worshiping false gods and tell them they're okay. And watch them fall off into eternity without God. Huh? Is that love? That's not love. That's not love. Love will tell you the truth. Even if you hate me for it. Because there's no way you're getting free. 
no matter what you think about me, until you acknowledge the truth. And you repent. And you believe the good news about the kingdom and reign of God. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. (laughs) Oh, just lift your hands and close your eyes. Let's praise God for his goodness to us. Aren't you thankful that you're not lost this morning, saints? Aren't you thankful that your eyes are not blinded? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the glorious light of the truth. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the the, the truth, the way, the life, the light, the only way to the Father. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.